0: Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, the Falcons in the top 10. The tweet heard around the world and maybe a dynamic duo. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You can subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast and get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the Serious XM app and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. So, we've been going through pro football focuses, off, or sorry, um, uh, different rankings uh, throughout the NFL positional groups and good kind of stuff. And this day is the offensive line rankings in the NFL. So they rank all of their offensive lines in the league. So no surprise, they have the Philadelphia Eagles, number one, the Browns, number two, Kansas City, number three. Where were those teams? Where did the Eagles and the Chiefs end up? They're two of the top three offensive line. Let me see where they Oh, they were in the Super Bowl and 1. Okay. All right. Anyway, uh Ravens coming in at 4, Detroit Lions come in at 5. Cowboys come in at 6, and then coming in at number 7 is the Atlanta Falcons. So they say Matthews, Bergeron, Dolman, Lindstrom, McGarry. Uh here's their quote right up. Uh, quote, uh Atlanta's offensive line benefits hugely from the most run heavy offense in football, but since that's not going anywhere, they belong at the sharp edge of the rankings. Rookie Matthew Bergeron has a chance to upgrade the biggest problem spot on the line last season. None of the three players who played significant snaps at left guard had a pro football focus grade above 75.2. They say their best player is Chris Lindstrom. Guard Chris Lindstrom was the best graded run blocker in uh the NFL this season at any position he allowed just nine pressures and finished with a 93.1 pro football focus run blocking grade now I was talking about this last night on the radio show this has a chance to be maybe the best offensive line we've seen over the last 25 years for the Atlanta Falcons now I'm not going back to the Mike Ken and Bill Fralick and and Jeff Van Note days. I'm not even going back to the Chris Hinton, Jamie Dukes days. I'm talking about since we made our first Super Bowl appearance that you could make a case that this is going to be maybe the best offensive line we've seen in that 25-year period. Now, look, we've had some good offensive lines, right? The Super Bowl in 98 with Bob Whitfield and those guys, that was pretty good. Obviously, with Matt, uh, when he first you know, got into the league, the Harvey Dahls, the Tyson Clabos, right? That was a nasty offensive line. Obviously, Matt in the Super Bowl year, Alex Mack is brought in to be a free agent. Jake is at left uh, tackle. Uh, Andy Levitre is traded for right before the season gets started. So we, ha- we have had some, you know, blips on the radar as far as good offensive lines. And then we've had the James Stone and the Mike Persons and the Jalen Mayfields of the world and the Lincoln Kennedys of the world. I mean, we've had a very mixed bag. but I really feel good about this group. And look, make no mistake about it, that this is the strongest positional group for the Atlanta Falcons. This is a top tier positional group. Now let's go through the the, the list on on here. So let's start at left tackle. Obviously, Jake Matthews is probably not the same player that he was a few years ago, but he's still a competent left tackle and especially a very good pass blocking left tackle. So you, you feel good there. No problems, no issues with that left tackle spot. Matthew Bergeron is interesting because, look, the thing that the Falcons learned from the Jalen Mayfield debacle is the fact that let him play at left guard and let him get acclimated there immediately. You know, Jalen Mayfield was a guy that when he was in training camp and all that good stuff, he was playing right tackle for the Falcons. He was playing on the right-hand side because McGarry was injured. He was playing on the right-hand side. Then all of a sudden you decide to move him and switch him into the inside, and maybe it wasn't fair, but it was what it was. So they're taking Bergeron and instantly plugging him in to that left guard spot. Even though he hadn't played it, even though he didn't play it in college, they're plugging him in immediately where they can work on him and get him coached up. Drew Dahlman, you know, again, I have my questions and doubts. I mean, again, him and Hennessy both are undersized centers. Yeah, they're athletic. Yeah, they're heady. Yeah, they're smart. Yeah, they're, you know, they're, they're all these. But again, I look at the fact that he's a undersized center. And he's got the potential to get pushed around. And again, we saw at times that his snapping the football wasn't what it needed to be. I had flashbacks to James Stone and Mike Person, you know, as far as snapping the football goes. But if Bergeron can be good at the left guard position, again, we've always said you can have one guy who's below average on your offensive line. Whether that's Bergeron surrounded by Dolman and in. in Jake Matthews or Dolman himself, surrounded by Bergeron and Chris Lindstrom. Lindstrom, I mean, what do we need to say about Chris Lindstrom? I mean, look, he's the best guard in the NFL. I think so. I mean, for my money, he's the best guard in the NFL, and that's been a top flight pick. That's been, uh, he probably should have been first team all pro last year. I think he got kind of jobbed and all of that, but he's obviously the best at his position. No worries there. Caleb McGarry is a big wild card. You know, do we get the Caleb McGarry that they played to his strengths last year by running the football and allowing him to thrive in an offense that features the run game very heavily and allow him to partner up with Lindstrom and they just moved people on that right-hand side? Or do his flaws and weaknesses come back up to the surface and get exposed? You know, his pass blocking is the thing that we always question, right? I mean, that's the thing that, is the biggest concern when it comes to Caleb McGarry. I mean, we know physically he can dominate at the line of scrimmage. And I've always said, look, his profile is is that he can operate in a phone booth. When, when, When he gets into a phone booth and he gets you locked up, he can physically move you where he wants to. But his problem has always been speed guys that come off the edge. That was his scouting report in college. It's been true, you know, for the Falcons, you know, in his career for them. It's been those edge guys that run fast and can run right around him that he's had problems with. So if we think that he's on an up arrow, you know, uh, on an up arrow trend, you know, because of the way he played last year, and, and let's hope that there's not a regression. It's not fat cat syndrome for the contract or whatever. You know, let's hope that this arrow continues to point in an upward direction for him and he can become a really good pass blocker as well as a run blocker. I mean, again, he's one of the best running blockers in the NFL at that tackle position, but when the quarterback's having to drop back, that's where his flaws and his warts get exposed. So you look at the totality of this thing, that there's the potential there, right? There's the potential to be great, and obviously, Pro Football Focus looking at this and saying that they're the seventh best offensive line coming into the season, and you've got the Super Bowl champion and the Super Bowl runner-up, and obviously some great offensive line. I mean, the Browns are really loaded at offensive line. They may not be great all the time but as a great offense, but they can run the football with anybody, and and Nick Chubb has thrived behind that offensive line. But the Falcons are in a prime position, and the Falcons, if Bergeron can figure some things out, if McGarry can continue to be on that upward trend, then this could be a really special group. And again, at the point of impact, we need these guys to be special. This is how you win in the NFL. This is how you turn things around in the NFL. You've got great defensive line, great offensive line, great quarterback play. That's how you turn everything around. Not because your tight end is is super good. You turn it around at the point of the football, and then you go outward from there. Right. What do I always say? The greater the greater you are at the point of the football, the better your football team will be. So obviously, look, this is a really good run-blocking offensive line. Now we have to see if they can grow themselves into being a good pass-blocking offensive line as well. I, I don't have any doubts about Lindstrom. I don't have any doubts about Jake Matthews. I have some concerns at center. Can Kayla McGarry continue to be on the rise at at tackle, at right tackle, and can Matthew Bergeron handle the load or is playing out of position for him going to create havoc? Because I don't want to get back to the Jalen Mayfield-Matt Hennessy year that we had where those two guys were just standing side by side and you just couldn't figure anything out. Let's hope that this offensive line plays up to the capabilities, and if they do, this could be the best offensive line in the last 25 years for the Atlanta Falcons. All right, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. And as the NBA playoffs have come to a close here now and we're getting ready for a wild and tumultuous offseason, FanDuel's got you covered where if you go to FanDuel.com and sign up as a new customer today, you can get as much as $2,500 from your no-sweat first bet if your first bet doesn't win. You heard that right. Your no-sweat first bet doesn't win. You can claim as much as $2,500 in bonus bets. Now, all you got to do is go to fanduel.com slash locked on, be a new customer, sign up, place your first wager. And if it doesn't win, you get that $2,500 in bonus bets. If it doesn't win. Fanduel safe, secure, super easy to use. You can bet on everything from money lines to prop bets, to point spreads, to how many, you know, how many home runs Aaron Judge is going to hit. Everything in between. Okay, so go to com slash locked on. That's fanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N and claim your no sweat first bet where if you don't win that bet, you can get as much as $2,500 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Fanduel's the official sports betting partner of the NBA. So it was the tweet heard round the world. Uh after the Denver Nuggets uh, sealed the victory against the Miami Heat and won their first NBA title, and you know, good good for the good for the Denver Nuggets. I I do think that it's a good thing when you have franchises that are not the marquee teams, the Boston's, the Phillies, the New Yorks. You know, L. A. You know, I think it's good when you have some of the non-marquee teams winning titles, the Cavs, the the. Um, Uh, The the Nuggets and obviously the Milwaukee Bucks, when you have teams like that winning titles, I think that's a good thing for the NBA. But after the the Denver Nuggets won their title, Trey Young went on Twitter and he simply had a tweet that said, we're next with the ring symbol, I guess, emoji and the trophy emoji. He said, we're next and people lost their mind. Now, first off, understand that people always lose their mind on Twitter, and understand that people are going to make sure that they save and bookmark, or you know, in in you know, put into a time capsule this particular tweet, right? Because they want to all throw, see, 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 you know, you weren't right, you weren't right. I mean, okay, again, it's 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 a big game, but for for a lot of people, <clears throat> they get off on those kinds of things about you know, the idea of you know, an athlete being proved wrong about something that he said on Twitter. And in, I don't want to say it was a throwaway comment because, look, I like the moxie. You know, I like the moxie and I want Trey Young to be talking about NBA titles. I don't want him thinking about, look, where Trey got in trouble a couple of years ago was the idea of when he came out and said that the regular season doesn't matter and we just play through it to to get to the. To the, you know, to the playoffs, and then you lay an egg through the regular season and make your life way difficult when it gets to be playoff time, where you have to win two play-in games to get into the first round of the NBA tournament, and then you're playing the number one seed, and you get blown out in that series. It wasn't even competitive. Then you follow that up with a 500 season where you're the eighth seed Yes, you beat Miami, who is the runner-up in the NBA Finals. You beat Miami. Then you go to Boston and you lose in six. And in what was, by and large, a non-competitive series. That's where Trey Young got in trouble. I like the fact that Trey Young is talking about championships. I like the fact that he's saying these kinds of things. I like the fact that he's calling his shot. Why not? Now, again, I know... The national media, the pundits, fans, they'll be all over him for all this if if they don't win the NBA title. Okay. They'll be all over him about. Well, see, see, you were wrong. You were wrong about it. Okay. Again, well, there's only one team that wins the NBA title out of every team in the NBA, right? Uh, that's you know, if if we finish as the runner up to the NBA title, I don't think any Hawks fan's gonna be disappointed. I don't don't think any Hawks fan is going to say, well, see, Trey wasn't true to his word. We didn't win. Okay. We'll we'll, we'll gladly celebrate and we'll have a lot of fun with this playoff run. And, you know, it'll be special and we'll make it all happen. I mean, I'm not worried about what Trey Young, you know, tweets at that moment. If, if all of that happens now, here's the follow-up to that though. And here's the flip side of that coin. You can't continue to be a team that is at or below 500, and make your life really difficult to get even into the first round of the NBA playoffs and then bust out of the NBA playoffs in the first round. You know, you can't, can't have to go in trying to win one or two play in games. And then, you know, you're finding yourself against the top team in the Eastern conference or second best team in the Eastern conference. And you lose what, you know, eight out of, uh, Eight out of eleven games. I think they were they were three and eight in the in the last in the first round, the last two years, the NBA playoffs. You can't do that. Can't be that kind of flame out. And we've talked about this before. That look, the expectation should be at least a second round playoff, break, right? They should be at least in the second round of the playoffs. Forget the play in tournament. We skip over that. We head right into a playoff matchup, and we win that first-round matchup, and then we get ourselves into the second round. That should be the expectation. That should be what I want to hear from my owner, by the way, too. That I want to hear from my owner that, you know, this should be what the expectation is for this team. Not that everybody's going to get fired, if not, but this is what we're holding our guys accountable to. And I like the fact that Trey Young is saying, we're next. That's good. That's what we want to hear out of a. When we have a superstar on our team, that's what we want to hear. I don't know if Atlanta fans were mad or not or whatever like that, but you know the national media had fun with it and they run with it and say, "Oh, you know, Trey's, you know, that. okay." Well, what 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 do I want? What would I want Trey to say? I certainly don't want him to come out and say that the regular season doesn't matter and we don't care about all that. And you know, I I don't want him to say that. I'd rather him be talking about winning a title, being an NBA finalist. I mean, I want to hear all those things. So again, I know people, when you put something out on Twitter, it lasts forever, right? And I promise you in two or three years, if for whatever reason, the Atlanta Hawks don't win the NBA title, that we'll see this tweet circle back around. You know, we'll see this tweet you know, in infinum, right? I mean, this will be, you know, the the thing that'll be heard by everybody. No matter what the success is of the Atlanta Hawks organization, if they make the NBA Finals five years in a row and they don't win an NBA title, people will be still going back to, oh, see Trey Young's tweet? He didn't get it right. He had the ring emoji and the trophy emoji and didn't get it. Okay. Again, it just, you know. Just all kinds of craziness. But I love it. I I love the fact that we're calling our shot. We're going to be here. You know, we're going to figure this thing out. And certainly, look, there's a lot of expectation on this franchise. There's a lot of expectation on Trey Young. There's a lot of expectation on Quinn Snyder. There's a lot of expectation on Landry Fields. There's a lot of expectation on this roster. Let's hope that this thing can all move forward. And we can get toward and and take big leaps, not just steps, but big leaps to getting that first NBA title. All right, as you listen into hitting hard with uh, John Chuck, we make sure you go into whatever podcast platform that you're listening on and let us know that you're an everyday listener to the show. So we call them our everydayers, and we thank you so much for being a part of our community. Check us out five days a week hitting hard with John we're here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We thank you so much for being a part of our ever-growing audience. Well, could the next dynamic duo for the Atlanta Falcons be AJ Terrell and Jeff Okuda? And it's funny how things work out in the NFL, right? I mean, Okuda and AJ Terrell came out the same year in the NFL draft, right? And and both guys had a chance to play against one another. In the national semifinals in uh, the um, in in uh, in college, where Clemson and Ohio State matched up against one another, and those two guys were on the field, right? So here we go. Fast forward, just you know what, three years later or what have you, and now these guys are coming together. And AJ Terrell, speaking at at uh, mandatory minicamp, said, "Quote: Just me and Jeff both coming in together." It's really fun having somebody that you went through this whole process with together, with being able to team up, apply the work we've been putting in together. Now, look, I've said, I think Jeff Okuda is going to be the breakout player for the Atlanta Falcons this year. I think he's going to have a big time year and he's going to be a guy who's going to do a lot of good things. Now, whether or not he stays in Atlanta long-term, that's a whole different issue. If he blows up and plays really well, they may not be able to either afford him or want to sign him to a big contract, but somebody, if he plays really well, is going to look at that talent and give him a big time reward for it. Now, Jerry Gray talking about these two guys, and, and I'm, I'll follow up on Jerry Gray here in just a second, but here's what Jerry Gray had to say, quote, you've got two competitors. We know they compete because you wouldn't get drafted in the first round. You've got great skills, skills, so you wouldn't be drafted in the first round. Now we've got to blend those two guys together and let them see that when you've got two great players on opposite sides, now they can't just target one guy, and that's what we're trying to do. Now, I've said low-key that the best thing that the Falcons organization did in this offseason was bring Jerry Gray into the mix, who, by the way, in 2010, besides being – besides being a guy that has coached multiple defenses, he's been a defense coordinator, been mostly a defensive backs coach, had lots of success in the NFL. He's going to be Arthur Smith's assistant head coach in all this. One of the things that he did was in 2010 was he coached up the Legion of Boom. When he had Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor as rookies, he coached those guys up. That's his specialty. That's his speciality where he's coaching up defensive backfields. Did Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor become pretty good. Oh, okay. So while Dan Quinn was down in Gainesville, Florida, you know, and again, he would years later get credit for, you know, coaching the Legion of Boom. Jerry Gray was boots on the ground handling everything. He was the guy that was in Seattle, not in Gainesville, Florida, when all those guys were coming together. He was coaching those guys as rookies. So I'm super excited about the Jerry Gray influence on this defensive backfield, whether that's Bates. Okuda, AJ Terrell, Mike Hughes. There's so much room for growth. And while we just talked about the offensive line is the best group for the Atlanta Falcons, this may be the second best group for the Atlanta Falcons. I think it's the area that they most improved in over the course of the season. And this could be their second best group. I I think that there is lots of room for growth, whether it's Richie Grant, whether it's Jalen Hawkins, whether it's Mike Hughes, like there's all kinds of room for growth, not just the two guys on the outside. And even Jesse Bates getting back to that Pro Bowl caliber level. So I'm excited to see Okuda and AJ Terrell match up. And the fact that they came in at the same time together, Okuda was rated as the number one corner coming into that 2020 draft. He went number three overall. You know, Henderson was the next corner that was picked. And then AJ Terrell was picked at 16 by the Atlanta Falcons. And AJ Terrell has been nothing but a terrific player. I, I I love AJ Terrell. I think he's one of the best young pieces on this roster. I think he's one of the core pieces of this roster. But if Okuda and AJ Terrell can get the coaching from Jerry Gray and get this thing figured out, we're going to be an outstanding secondary. We're going to be a secondary that creates turnovers. We're going to be a secondary that creates lots of opportunities for guys to be able to try to go in and get sacks. Although, again, I don't believe in the whole your secondary creates sacks. You have to have a fire breather that comes off the edge. See Daniel Hunter and anyway, we'll talk about that You know, enough and we'll talk about that on other shows. So I really like the combination of Okuda and A.J. Terrell. And I think I said, Okuda is going to be the breakout player for the Atlanta Falcons. Now, again, he's on a one-year deal, right? He's not eligible for that fifth year option because of the trade and the Lions picking up some of his money and such like that. He's not available. He's not obviously the Falcons don't have a choice to give him a fifth year option. They probably wouldn't have picked it up anyway, but that table, that, the, that idea was off the table as far as giving me a fifth year option. Now he goes into his free agent walk year. And I think he's looking to cash in. I think he's looking to be in the league and extend his career and cash in at this point. And that's only good news for the Atlanta Falcons. If he plays really well, that's only good news for the Atlanta Falcons. Maybe we found that next dynamic duo, right? Falcons have always had good corners. They've, one thing about the Falcons organization is they've had good corners over the decades, whether it was Dion or whether it was um, uh, who's the kid out of, out of Washington. Now my brain is now my brain is fried uh, again, but they've always had good corners. Ray Buchanan, guys like that. They've always had Ashley Ambrose, right? They've always had good corners on this roster. It seems like that we've been able to either draft or sign good corners to come in here and play and make an impact for us. And so, if we can get Okuda and AJ Terrell matched up, and we get and we sprinkle that Jerry Gray fairy dust on them, and we get that Jerry Gray influence, and we get all of that going in the right direction sky's the limit and wouldn't it be great to have two shutdown corners wouldn't it be great to have two guys who on the outside can handle everything we can figure out the middle of the field from there we can figure out whether it's Bates or you know Mike Hughes or whatever it's going to be or D Alford or whoever it's going to be we'll figure out the rest of that stuff but if I can be good on the outside and take two guys away right on the outside my odds increase about getting after the quarterback. So. Let's hope that this becomes the next dynamic duo for the Atlanta Falcons, and I love the fact that Jerry Gray is going to sprinkle his fairy dust all over these guys. Let's see if Okuda can have that magical type of year that we've been waiting for his whole career. All right, thank you so much for making hitting Hard with John Chuck when your first listen. Be sure to go in and leave us a comment on whatever podcast platform that you listen on, and let us know that you're an everyday listener to the program we like to call them our everydayers and we thank you so much for being a part of our ever-growing community you can follow us for free on youtube or wherever you listen to your podcast you can get the latest episodes of hitting hard as soon as they become available also check us out on the serious xm app and give me a follow on my personal twitter page that would be at jmch316 we'll be back with you tomorrow this has been hitting hard with john chuckery locked on sports atlanta